podcast de la dosis con el primo. Yes. Primero, una de las barras más chidas que queríamos hacer en la dosis, no solamente en la radio, sino poder tener entrevistas y mostrárselo a la gente en nuestro canal. Y ya tenemos nuestra primera entrevista. ¿Y qué entrevista? Por favor, dígale a toda esta gente a quién consiguió usted en para la primera entrevista. Para la primera, gracias y bienvenidos a todos a nivel mundial para este primer podcast de la dosis. Tenemos al cantante Andy Darius de Halloween. What? Eh, Halloween. Yeah, ¿Con quién viene? Vienen con Hammerfall. ¿Y quién más anunciaron just now? Viene Ginger. Ginger. No way. My. Ahora, Eso es un show my. sobre, o sea, amazing, como la palabra que usted siempre dice. Yeah, pero ya estaba amazing antes. Ay, es que no, estaba amazing, pero ahora lo tiraron a otro nivel. Es que Ginger va a dar un show que es brutal. Así es que todo el mundo invitado, primito, ¿en qué lugar es? Es en el Pedregal, el 22 de septiembre, ahorita, ahorita. Muy bien, muy Entonces... bien. Recuerden, Halloween, Hammerfall y Ginger. Así es que los dejamos con este primer podcast, con esta entrevista tan increíble, vocalista de Halloween, el señor... Andy, there's the Halloween! Hell yeah! See my shirt, girl! Amazing, amazing, amazing. Love it. Show, show me again. The shirt? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. It's a rare shirt. Well, I've never seen it, but it's super cool. Me too. That's hey. why I buy it. When I saw it, I saw it. I say, hey, man. Yeah, I maybe I'll find it outside in Costa Rica where they, where they are all the, the boys and girls selling T-shirts, which are not official, but so uh -huh. far, so very often better than the officials. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, that's true. From the well, motives, at least. Don't okay. know about the quality, but the motives sometimes are super, super nice. Yeah, it's very, very, very mm. nice. Different. De puta madre. Yeah. De puta madre. Muy bien. <laughs> okay, bueno, vamos a empezar. Estamos aquí en La Dosis por Planet 107.5 FM. Y tenemos al grandioso, maravilloso Andy Jarvis, vocalista de... Halloween, nada más y nada menos, o sea, estamos hablando de una de las voces más espectaculares de toda la historia de nuestro planeta. Eh, queremos primero agradecerle a Andy la oportunidad de poder hablar un rato con él, hablar lo que va a ser el show aquí en Costa Rica, y para la gente que no está muy familiarizada con la carrera de Andy como solista, eh, en, en su primer CD, eh, tiene una canción que se llama No escuchas a la radio, así es, ¿verdad, Lu? Así sí, que con, sí, mucha sí, más razón, sí. con mucha más razón, tenemos que escuchar la radio ahora que es eh, la dosis. Así es que, bueno, les dejo la traducción a Mr. Lu. So, uh, thank you again, Andy, for taking the time to be with us. We know that you have a lot of options, so we appreciate it. What Nelson was saying, we're going uh, to go kind of all over the place with the interview. Uh, you have an album, a, a solo album from almost 10 years ago with a song called uh, the, uh, Don't Listen to the Radio. So since we're a radio show, we just want to say thank you for breaking that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the story was about that. Um, that radio show back in the, I think it was in the 30s or 40s or 50s, I don't remember, but it was, uh, it was a show on the radio 
where they acted like there would be an invasion and everybody in America was going like, oh, fuck, we have an invasion going on. Yeah, and the so war of the world. There was yeah. real panic. There was real panic going on. And I remember back in, in, in Germany, for example, there was planned to do something like that. Some three or four weeks later, something like similar would have taken place in Germany. And they dropped it because they knew the story from America that the people were completely freaking out simply because it was the first show or what's the right word um, on radio, a radio play. Is that the right yeah, word? First, like yeah. fictional radio show. And people were like, wait, they, they were only used to listening to the news. And all of a sudden it's like, exactly. Oh. And all of a sudden there's like a radio show um, of a Mars or whatever invasion. So people were panicking and trying to leave the cities and whatnot. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I don't listen to the radio. Not of our course. radio. Yes, yes. But we just wanted to, you know, make, break the ice a little bit with that. Um, all right, Nelson, go ahead. What's the first one okay. we got? Uh, Andy, cuando iniciaste con tu primer grupo a los 15 años que se llamó Paranoid, ¿soñaste alguna vez en llegar a estar en un grupo tan gigante como Halloween? Ese es el sueño de todos, pero ¿realmente creíste que ibas a llegar a hacer algo tan grande? So you had like your first band from what we were researching called Paranoid when you were 15 years old. And when you started that band, did you like have that dream already where like, I want to be the front man for a band that's going to have over 10 million album sales and just yeah. crush the world? So this like, was that even a concept? Um, there was something like a concept, but actually my big dream was to go out there and kill as a guitarist. Ah, <laughs> so never wanted never wanted to be the front man, but uh, I happened to be the only guy who was, back in the days at least, capable of writing songs. So with my humble guitar playing, um, I, I, I wrote all the songs. Nobody was there who did the same. So at the end of the day, you always, I always had a band with four or five members and nobody wrote, wrote, uh, wrote songs except myself. So at the end of the day, I remember the next the next band was called Nameless. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless. What's the name? Nameless. <laughs> Nameless. So um, back in the days we had a singer. I was the second guitarist. And again, mostly the only guy who was writing songs. So I'm sitting there in the rehearsal room playing my humble guitar and sing along that they get to know the idea and everything. Uh, back in the days, the first title I ever wrote was called Paralyzed. So uh, it was completely stunned in the rehearsal room and the singer stood up and said, you know what, I'm quitting. You should sing. Wow. Honestly, so he left the band and I was sitting there like, I don't want to sing, I want to play guitar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that, that's how it went. So at the end of the day, I realized whenever I, I sang my, back in the days, already high-pitched stuff, not too high, but Uh, most of the singers back in the days when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, the voice is not still that trained mm -hmm. that you hit the high notes, but mine was for whatever reason. So, and nobody could sing the shit I, I wrote. So I, 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 I took, still, I'm stuck by singing them myself. So, but now I have got a Michael Kiske in the band. Sometimes he helps out. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. And that's another question in, uh, that we have, because it's not, Um, familiar that a huge band like Halloween have uh, two two singers or three. 
but but well, that's we, a, another we question. Make, we always are joking. We have two and a half singers. <laughs> exactly, two and a half singers. <laughs> okay. Eh, hay algo muy importante que acaba de suceder hace pocos días y es algo realmente digno de admirar. En los tiempos que estamos viviendo, las personas consumen muchísima música digital, pero casi nadie compra discos. Halloween acaba de recibir álbum de oro por sus ventas y eso es amazing, es impresionante. Quiero felicitar a Andy y a todo el grupo porque eso demuestra el amor, la pasión de todos nosotros los fans alrededor del mundo con Halloween. So three days ago, you guys got a gold album in the digital age that we're in right now, where like record label, like re buying records doesn't even exist. And so first off, congratulations, because that is amazing. Ooh, It's a testament amazing. to the band, to the power of the band, to the staying power, to the your fans. Um, but like that is unbelievable so first off like like congrats because of the digital age like no one you know like that's crazy i, I owned yeah. a couple of record labels 20 years ago nelson's in bands so we know the industry pretty good and it, like oh my god fucking awesome first so yeah. first off that's amazing and totally unexpected <laughs> because I, i'm completely with you guys because i follow i follow the digital sales i follow the, the playlists and and uh, some small cd sales left and right here and there most of the times and uh yeah so far we've been very happy so we, we we are like that little exception who have a little bit more than just a few record sales so um must be the collector that the metal fan is a big collector um, and the vinyls now and the vinyls come back big time that's absolutely right so i i, I would lie but i have to, i have to i have to look again but i think it was more vinyls than cds for sure for sure because Now it's very, very popular, the, the vinyl. Yeah. I mean, even, even myself, I bought my Technics back from the 80s. They actually refactured the Technics. And I, I went in the store like a little fucking yeah. child. I was like, I want oh yeah, that's, that's and, and hey, I enjoy my old, my old vinyls. And I don't give a shit if they go a bit crackling and, and here and there. But you know it's just another world it's another sound it's like exactly it's much more dynamic and, but you have to make the a b comparison to know what's what we're talking about right so exactly. La, las personas cool. ahora no las personas ahora no entienden el placer de escuchar un vinil no tienen idea yeah. de las cosas que vivimos nosotros how could they if you never make the comparison exactly. yeah mm. um okay <laughs> vamos con la siguiente pregunta eh, Andy, ¿cuándo descubriste que tenías el poder en la voz que tienes ahora? ¿En qué momento en tu juventud dijiste, ok, sí tengo el talento para cantar? So this is like, based, like when you were, we didn't know that you had been a guitarist first, right? And then you all of a sudden, like, ok, well, they, like, they said, ok, well, you sing. How'd you know that you were, like, even able to be like, oh, shit, yeah, I can do this. And, like, how, how'd that happen? Because that couldn't have just been, like, you just started singing on the spot, right? Mm, it's it, it was a mixture i always thought maybe i could sing as good as my idols so i have to say i never and it's still not i still am not as good as my idols that's what i think but maybe because i have my own little style which is probably my it's little andy and and i just say 
I mean, I had a talk with Rob Halford from Judas Priest, and he says, look, I, I could not do what you do, and said, well, but you were my idol. I sang along you. Actually, you're my biggest idol. I said, yeah, but you found your little own way, and you're going much more into to the distortion upstairs, like in the high pitch, um, and that's, that's something he says he couldn't do. I don't know. I mean, Rob is still my idol, and I think he could do it, but nevertheless, I think what he wanted to say is, Yes, you may be not as good as I am in my personal style, but I can never be as good as you are in your personal style. Exactly. So I think message received, and, and I still could kiss him for that. But, <laughs> you know, when, when you sit there with your idols and, and they go like, hey, you're good, um, you, you, you still appreciate, but you know you'll never be as good as they are, simply because you want to be them, but that's not possible because not you're yourself. So... At least I learned to live with myself, with my strengths and my weaknesses. But I do know that I have lots of weaknesses. And I think it's just fair to say, when you ever watched a concert of Halloween, when a singer is not feeling quite well, then you know what I'm talking about. And honestly, that's something I, that, that calmed me down when I saw my idols. Um, when they were sick or something like that. I was suffering with them big time. But on the other hand, I said, oh, look, I mean, he's only human as well. So you don't, you, you, myself, I, I told myself, you should, should not be ashamed to be human as well. I mean, today is a fucked up day. You're having a flu, you're having a cough or whatever. So maybe the show is fucked up, but then with the help of the people, yeah, you know. What I wanted to say, nobody's perfect. <laughs> no, 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 none of us. To and, cut a long story short. <laughs> and and a, an important thing that you said is, it's good to try to be like someone, like I want to sing like you, or maybe play the drums as Tommy Lee or someone else, but you have to make your own career. You have to make your own style. When it's someone listens to you, you have to say, okay, this is Andy, this is, this is James, this is etc. You have to exactly. make your own destiny. Yeah, I mean, even even if, if you could achieve to sound like Ronnie James Dio, exactly. you are not Ronnie James Dio. And so you will never. You will never. He is already there on the chessboard. Exactly. Rest exactly. in peace. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. much better to try your original way than copying somebody else to death. So. That's it. Mm. Okay, vamos a la siguiente pregunta. Eh, bueno, Luke es mi primo, pero es como mi hermano. Somos, hemos estado juntos por más de 30 años haciendo muchísimas cosas y siempre hemos creído que es más importante estar con la persona correcta que estar en un lugar muy importante, pero con personas que tal vez no te permiten ser lo mejor que tú puedas ser en la vida. ¿Qué te impulsó a salir de tu grupo Pink Creek 69 e irte a Halloween? So Nelson and I next year are going to uh, basically 30 years of being like brothers, basically. Uh, we met in Costa Rica when I was down there in 1993, and, uh, and we've been working together. I'm godfather to his firstborn. We're like brothers family. Um, over the course of our years, sometimes we work together and sometimes we work in different projects. And we found that the most important thing ends up being that if you're not around the right people and it's not something that's comfortable for you, fuck it. Like, you know what, just go on to something else because it's all about sanity, good vibes, happiness. Yeah. Um, and with that, we wanted to just ask you like, 
because you know we know the story, but for our listeners to know um, what it was like when you decided to leave Pink Cream and then join Halloween. Well, that was actually a very easy story because uh, I was writing the songs for the fourth album after the games people played, third album, follow-up album, expectations were high, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I have to admit it were difficult, difficult times because then it was grunge was coming up and uh, the boys in Pink Green were very insecure if our style of music would survive, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, I said, look, if you think you can do songs better than I, then for the first time, well, get your shit together and write songs. Don't ask me to write different songs. I'm myself. What, what, I mean, I can't, I can't act. I can I. You have to be I, yourself. I always, That's why I you always, write. No, and honestly, why would I act? Because, I mean, we have three successful albums already. So, and suddenly your band says, well, actually, we don't want to play this, this style anymore simply because they were suddenly into grunge. Uh, I can admit that because per personally, I thought there are super great grunge bands as well. Exactly. Um, but nevertheless, if you have your own style, you already have success going on. Why would you change your style? You have to be yourself. So that said, um, we had lots of trouble because they didn't come up with new songs. They didn't like my songs. And Waiki, you have to know Michael Wyckoff from Halloween. <clears throat> he's one of my best friends since 1986, 1987. So we knew each other very good. And each and every recording session of Pink Cream was taking place in Hamburg, in Halloween City. So that's why I hang out with Waiki half of the year in Hamburg. And sometimes he went down to South Germany to my hometown and visited me and we hang out. And Waiki was always asking me if I would like to join the band because he would love to have a good friend in the band. Uh, to the same time, they, he had like the same problem with Michael Kiske back in the days, because Michael, as that's what Waiki told me, Michael now says, well, yeah, it's 50-50 truth and 50-50 lie. At least back in the days, they were kind of talking on a, on a different planet, kind of, both of them. So if they would really have sat down and discuss the whole subject, they would probably have realized that they are on the same path. Mm. But back in the days, they really thought they are going like, Michael wants to go pop, which was not true. And, and, and Waiki is only to in, going into metal direction, which was not true. So uh, misunderstanding because they hated each other back in the days, whatever. So that was the case back in the days. So Waiki called me again as he, he, he smelled that I have trouble down there in South Germany that, that we have like trouble going on in Pink Cream. And he asked me again, now, would you like to join? Because otherwise I split the, I, I, I leave the band or I, I just call it a day. And I said, okay, hold the horses. It's uh, the 29th of December tomorrow. I'll take the train and we celebrate New Year's Eve down there in Hamburg. Let's sit down and discuss. That's what I did. And was Marcus was there, the bass player, and we sat down and I said, look, I mean, first listen to the songs and tell me what you think about. So I made them listen to my new songs. I actually written for the fourth album of Pink Cream. And man, you should have seen the light in their eyes. I mean, they're like, wow, wow. So I just asked myself. This is the place. It, 
when when my band doesn't want my songs and these guys want my songs, so which is my band actually? So it was an easy answer. And uh, here we go. That's the story. Muy bien, muy bien. Esto es awesome. un ejemplo, voy a hacerlo en español para toda la gente que nos está escuchando. Esto es un ejemplo muy importante donde uno siempre tiene que estar en donde es siempre valorado, porque es la verdad. Usted tiene que estar siempre en donde esté valorado. Eh, um, Andy, en este tour vamos a tener integrantes del Pumpkin United Tour. So on this tour coming up now, the United Forces that you guys are going to be here um, in uh, September 22nd at the uh, uh, Centro de Eventos Pedregal for the United Forces tour. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be the same lineup that you guys had for Pumpkins United for the band? Yeah, you bet. Sure. Awesome. Very cool. Oh, yeah, because oh, so, all the same. <laughs> amazing. That, we weren't sure about that. And so with that, like the touring aspect of it, right? Have you gotten tired of touring yet? Are you still like, like, how's that going with, with the touring stuff? Or do you get excited when you're touring? You're like, oh boy, I have to tour again. Yeah, after 60, 70 shows, you come to that point. <laughs> it's a job. It's a job. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you, you enjoy, let's say, 50, 60 shows. Uh, super great, super enjoyable. And then, then there comes this. I would describe it as a mental hole, so to say, because uh, when it's getting something with a routine and you realize, okay, you're so fucked up that, that even chat uh, lagged or not, uh, even when you're in an, uh, in an airplane or in a five-star hotel or in a super big concert hall with great shows and everything, you just take it for granted. It's like uh, mm -hmm. every day's life. And that's when I hate touring. Exactly then I hate touring because I'm, I know I have to get back home. I have to ground and, and, and earth myself. I, I have to call myself back to normality because I think then it's, it's for me, I, I think it's a danger for everybody, not only for myself. I think I'm speaking for all uh, musicians out there. When you're getting used to something that was your biggest dream mm -hmm. and you, all, you, you, you catch yourself in the morning in a five-star hotel, um, because uh, in, the, in the morning buffet, there is this or that is missing, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like you need a reality check. Yes. I start to hate myself then. I thought, what did you just say? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, look where you are in a five star hotel. Tonight you're playing again in front of 12,000 people. I love what you. The, what you. the fuck is going on with you? So, this is when I tell my management, then it's time to go back home. And have at least four me four weeks or let even two months if possible a break ground yourself together with your family first thing go home and wash dishes <laughs> exactly <laughs> Some, real life know? yeah and this is super important so if you ask me if i like touring yes i love touring until that point arrives again then i have to say now i hate myself so i hate touring <laughs> so <laughs> i want to get back home get get normal again you know <laughs> Clean, clean the house, wash dishes, get yelled at by my lady. That's true. That's true. That's Normality. That's, you know. that's a real life. That's real life. Yes, I mean, both of, both of, touring is real life as well, if you are grounded. But if you take it for granted and you think that's your life now, then you're a stupid asshole in my eyes. 
And I know lots of people have mental problems with that and come back from a tour, a month of tours, uh, touring, and can't, actually can't handle normal life anymore without drugs. Exactly. So they really need drugs to push them and, and keep them up there in the adrenaline level or whatever it is. And when you come to that point, your life is getting yep. direction down. And some, some, of them, some of them are happy and reach the bottom and fight themselves up. But I know some of my colleagues out there, they reached the bottom and never got up again. So that's what I mean. Then, then I hate touring. Okay. Eh, esta pregunta no estaba en el guión, pero Luisito me va a ayudar a la traducción. Andy, si pudieras eh, cerrar los ojos y regresar al tiempo donde eras un niño en un cuarto con 10 años, ¿qué consejo le darías a, a ese niño que eras tú? Hmm. Yeah, so let's say you could look back at your life. You're 10 years old. You're looking at 10-year-old Andy, and you're like, you know what? Let me give this kid some advice that this is going to be something that's going to be most important. What, what would that be? Um, sounds stupid, but maybe also learn piano. <laughs> uh, that, that's very important when you yeah. write songs. It, it is because it brings you into different directions and you've got different ideas with, because I, back in the days at the age of six, I had to learn um, accordion. I don't know if you know that instrument. Exactly. Never played it, but yes, it's a hard, that, that's a very, very embarrassing instrument if you want to be a rock musician. <laughs> but the theory I learned as like a little, little kid was seven and I played accordion until 13. The theory is something that is automatically in your blood, which I realized back later, that later I realized, okay, that's why it comes so easy for me because I know it by blood. I don't need ear training because I had it with six and seven up till 13 in, in the big orchestras because I was one of these little wonder childs and I had to play in the orchestra in the big with the adults because I was so good and blah, blah, blah. I always thought it's embarrassing. I don't want to be good on the accordion, you know, but it brought me, I mean, the, the knowledge is and the feeling I got is something nobody can take away from me, even though it was due to a, an accordion. But wait, what I did then at the age of 14, one day after my birthday, I took my damn accordion secretly, went to the bus with that heavy thing went secretly into the city, in the big city, Karlsruhe. There are several music stores and secretly exchanged my accordion with an electric guitar. <laughs> and my, my mom was nearly killing me. And my dad was just, I remember my dad was just beside like five, six meters away. No, no, he was just going like. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. That's what I wanted to say. The piano is with two hands. And I was so good with the right hand because the right hand is a piano on the, on the accordion. I was so good. And, and I hate myself for, for letting that loose. I should have actually started piano lessons to the same time, not to forget this technique and to additionally learn, learn the left hand as well. I didn't. Excellent, excellent. Muy buen consejo. Um, Andy, en este mundo lleno de egos, 
es muy difícil encontrar un grupo en donde hayan dos o dos y medio o tres cantantes. ¿Qué crees tú que es tan especial realmente el tener tres o dos y medio cantantes en un grupo tan grande como Halloween sin que los egos afecten en nada y sepan que realmente lo que se está dando es un mejor show? Y, um, y antes de que eh, vamos a combinar la próxima pregunta sí, sí, sí. también porque tiene un poco que ver. También, bueno, porque vamos a entrar en eso. Uh, so, Andy, so this is kind of like a two-part scenario. Egos, right? Like, from a, from a musician standpoint, like, it's great. Like, we know, right? Musicians, rock stars have the rock stars because the rock stars and the ego is a big thing. How is it like to work with other vocalists, right? Where in this industry, in this particular realm of the here's how it has to be. What is that like for you? How does that work? Um, and then we want to ask a couple questions about the songwriting uh, portion for, for the self-titled album from last year right. and how that works as well. Well, I think vocalists, um, that's a, a difficult breed, actually. Um, for me, I think it was never a problem to be a vocalist rather than be an instrumentalist or, or a musician. So a vocalist was the last thing I want to be, I told you. So at the end of the day, I always saw myself as a musician. Um, I know how to play drums, even though I, I'm not good enough to record them. But when it comes to songwriting, I program drums the way you would play them. Mm -hmm. So I got the rhythm in my heart and my blood. I love it, even though I hate to dance. But nevertheless, <laughs> so um, I play Decent, a decent guitar, sufficient to actually record the shed, the ideas with the help of technique. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So you cut, cut it into pieces. And at the end of the day, it's like a puzzle and you have something that you can listen to. Um, at least I want to hear what I had in my head. So, and uh, learning to play something different. I never have to learn to play it because that's the job of the guitarist then in my band. Back in the days, I would have learned it. So I would have learned, rehearsed it for a week or so which I don't have to do. So I'm completely missing the routine of being a routine guitarist, forget it. I'm just that puzzle piece adder until I have a result which I wanted to hear. That's the demo. Um, yeah, what was the question? Not a lot of bands have more than one vocalist, yeah, yeah, much less two and a half or three. Yeah, yeah, I'm hitting from left to complete right, so back to the middle. That's okay. Um, no, no, no worries, Andy. <laughs> um, that's why I never saw myself as a vocalist. I had to learn to be a vocalist, to take care of myself, not to hug everybody, not to get kissed by everybody, not to shake hands with everybody, because whenever you did, you, you may, may be sure that two or three weeks later you had the flu. Mm -hmm. um, Now we are all very much sensible because of the COVID shit. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I lived through that for over 30 years, being a forced vocalist. So I had to force myself to act like a vocalist, care, care about myself, which I never did as a guitarist. Um, so I'm somewhere in the middle of both worlds. So I can understand my fellow vocalists in the band, I, but I also can understand my fellow instrument, instrumentalists in the band. Um, and I think that's a good thing. So I, I'm, I'm always somewhere in the middle and said, well, you know, yeah, you're right. But to the other, on the other hand, you have to understand him because blah, blah, blah. So that makes it very easy, I think, in Halloween. 
because we don't have three vocalists who go for I'm the vocalist. Oh. Exactly. But, you know, but I'm a vocalist, yes, but I'm also an instrumentalist or guitarist or whatever you you want to call it. So I I understand both worlds, and I think that's a good thing. That helps in the band. So I'm, I I always try to smoothen the waves <laughs> when it <laughs> when it comes to big fights again or something like that. You know, it's like hey, hold the horses. Mm. Muy bien, muy bien, muy bien. Okay, en, en este último disco tenemos canciones muy, muy positivas como Best Time, Indestructible y Rise Without Chains. ¿Cómo es el arte de escribir en Halloween? Eh, ¿Todos llevan letras y empiezan a escoger o cómo es que se hacen las, las letras más que todo en Halloween? So in this last album, the self-titled, the 2021 Halloween album, um, there's a few songs that have some just really amazing positive vibe messages, like outstanding, like, oh my God, like uh, best time, indestructible, rise without chains, like just amazing, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And so it feels like there's a couple of things that the vibe in the band, um, as you were describing, is just like at an all-time high where everybody's kind of like working together and there's like this awesome vibe going on. What's it like when you guys introduce songs? You have, on this last record, it looks like, if, I, if my memory serves, they're like, out of the 14 tracks, you had like three or four were yours, three or four from Mikey's, three or four over here, two from the Hansons. And so everybody has to introduce songs. How does that work when you have so many people like, like, hey, I've got something new. What's your breakdown? How do you guys do it? Well, honestly, we don't, do that much because we are quite aware that when it comes to songs it's a very personal thing so when the band would tell you uh, let's say you're the guitarist and the band tells you well we don't like the songs um it, it hurts you know so to avoid that we i would say to 90 percent we rely on the management so we write our songs not only the management it's the producer or the engineer by the way it was dennis and our, our engineer is Dennis Ward, my old bass player from Pink Cream. And uh, people we trust to pick the best songs for an album. Um, not only musically, but also lyrically, don't be to, let's say, don't be completely dark or don't be completely funny or super positive, because if you do that, it, it might be a cheesy album. So. Uh, Actually, we trust them to pick out the songs which would fit on a 50, 50 minutes player. Um, yes, there were, I think, 130 something minutes of music we had to choose from. And uh, I think the band should never do that. You should always have friends or people you trust. <laughs> and we let them, let, let it's them- It's a teamwork, a teamwork. Let, let them pick the jewels. And uh, okay, if the band would not agree at all, then we would definitely intervene and say, you know what, we want to have this or that song, uh, no matter what you say. So this already happened back in the days for this album, it was not a problem because they already picked too much. So we actually wanted to do a maximum 50 minutes album and look, it became longer again. So it's always the same story because uh, I think Skyfall alone is 13 or 14 minutes, so yeah. that's why you suddenly end up with more music as, as than planned. But uh, yeah, everything good. But uh, to answer the question, 
it's actually something that the band gives away the responsibility okay. of picking out the jewels um, that way we can keep the band chemistry cool me gusta me gusta es una manera muy sana como dice él de que nadie esté herido de que nadie se sienta mal simplemente es un teamwork y la gente escoge porque era verdad exactly. Yo and, también... nobody, and nobody can tell you Oh, you you just want to have your songs on the album. Exactly, blah, blah, blah. exactly. That's are, that's amazing. Yeah, we are too old for that shit because I mean, it, it already started in, with Paranoid. I was the only guy writing songs. Not a problem at all. But then when you come to bands where you finally, I thank God, have a, a second or a third songwriter. These problems could occur. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So rather leave it with, with your friends, ask them, fans, management, everybody who is actually a fan of the band, ask them. I think your, your band will last much longer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That, that's amazing. Great uh, idea. Um, that's a great way. De, después de disfrutar el concierto en Costa Rica, dice Mar, ¿cuál es el show por excelencia que más disfrutas tocar? Y... ¿Cuál fue tu sensación la primera vez que tocaron en un Wacken, que es uno de los conciertos más grandes del mundo? So, what was your what's your what was your favorite festival or what is your favorite like when you're touring your favorite place where you're like, "Oh, I can't wait to play there." If you had to pick, you know, one or a couple. And then also with that, what was it like the first time that you guys took the stage at Wacken? Oh, I think what can we play when I think it was the second Wacken festival that we played oh, long ago, man. Um, when has that been? I freaking don't remember, but long ago, it was the second Wacken ever. And we played there and then occasionally every three or four years, we played Wacken again, this time finally. Um, the grand finale, headlining the last day, having a, a playtime of nearly two hours, which was also a, a big honor. Nobody did that so far, but we had to, it's too much songs. And the show was the show. So uh, cut it down from nearly three hours to two hours was, was already work because you have to cut the show. So mm -hmm. the whole story of the show is kind of, uh, even came the idea leave leave out the Ingo part and all the the band says no fucking way Ingo Ingo stays in the band because this is part of that reunited thing. Um, yeah, but what a great honor. Um, when it comes to my favorite festival, I would love to play again. Um, it's a very unknown festival, not by name, but it's a festival in Poland. Poland. And the festival is called Woodstock. Woodstock. Yeah. So the name is great, but uh, the place is wrong. <laughs> 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 Woodstock. Um, believe it or not, we played there in 2016, I think, or 15. Nevertheless, we went out after the day after we played Wacken. And we, we went out there like, oh, what should happen? I mean, we, we just played Wacken. It's just another festival you play now and yeah. And we, we went on stage and suddenly we were nearly blown away. 
I've never seen that much people, that many people. It was like 735,000 people. Oh my God. Oh there was the main stage where we we're standing on and there were like three PA systems in front of wow. us up to the little hills, all also packed with people. So with big screens. So you have the big stage, then, then I don't know, 60, 70 meters ahead, uh, another PA system with big screen and again and again and people, people, people. I've never seen that. So many people in my life and wow. such a great yeah, team. I mean, the sound engineers there were doing a fabulous job. They shot videos which went online live, but such a great job. I mean, you could easily take them for and sell it. I mean, that good. Sound perfect, picture quality perfect, 4K, and you know, unbelievable. Poland, Woodstock, wow. wow. And the biggest, the biggest thing is, it's for free. Wow. It's paid free. by the government. It's paid oh by the government. Oh my God. Yeah. So this was unbelievable. I mean, not That's even rocking, not not even rocking Rio is as big as Woodstock in Poland. Wow. And again, very, very unbelievable. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it will take place again. Certainly during the COVID time, it did not take place. But quite, I'm quite confident that they go and do it again. Okay. Unbelievable. Vamos a hablar un poquito. Vamos a hablar un poquito de, de, de tu solo career. Eh, como mencionamos antes. Eh, tu último disco, Million Dollar Haircuts on Teen Cent Heads, eh, en el 2013, en lo personal, me parece un disco fenomenal, lo escuchamos completo, y eh, las letras son increíbles, la verdad. Eh, ¿Has trabajado, estás pensando en hacer algún solo álbum nuevo para futuro, o simplemente estás ya concentrado en Halloween? So from a solo standpoint, as we had mentioned at the beginning, your last album came out in 2013, Million Dollar Haircuts on Ten Set Heads. Um, we both listened to the, the entire of it. I, I found it phenomenal. Nelson did too. Legitimately, you're, you're a very talented songwriter. It's, I found that when you just said about, when you're talking about how you wish you would have learned piano to be able to, yeah. you know, uh, to, to, to build on that, you, you're legitimately, I be, yeah, but that album of yours was the, the, all those, the very, what, Excellent songwriting, Andy. Like amazing, amazing songwriting, legitimately. Um, from from our opinion, and and it was really good. H have you been writing new material for your own stuff? Because obviously, like that album, like showcased a wide variety of genres and a wide variety of different musical themes per se. Yeah. Um, what's yeah? How's that? How's that going? Are you have you been writing new material to do something on your own? No, from 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 that album on, I, I actually received uh, quite a few um, offers from artists, bands, record companies to write songs. So uh, all or nearly all the songs I've written so far are somewhere on different albums of different bands. Um, always as a ghostwriter, so contractly, I may certainly not tell you where and when, but uh, some honors uh, are in between, which makes me very proud. Um, but that's that's so much more fun because you actually don't don't have to take your own ass up front again. So let them do their job, but you just write the songs and you receive um, 
the honor in uh, instead of um, being popular and, and being famous, you receive your money and that's it. So that's without responsibility, which is next to the band, uh, a very welcome thing because the band itself is something that is hot blood and stomach and, uh, you know, belief and friendship. And certainly also always very important that you can live off it. So we don't make, we don't never make a, a big myster uh, uh, mystery out of um, the, the business. So if the business is bad, we feel bad because then you have to take a second job or something like that. Being, being a, a waiter or being somewhere in an office and probably you don't have time to write songs anymore, blah, blah, blah. So um, we never made a big fuss about it. If you, if you don't earn money, you can't do music, period. Mm -hmm. So you're a hobby musician and you, we all know how that ends up. If you're a hobby musician, you only have like, if you're happy two or three hours per day where you really find the energy after a job or two to sit down and write songs or make music, um, with a band is nearly impossible because everybody's got a job or two. So uh, like we did back in the days, rehearse every day, even Sundays is impossible. Then. So how could you ever form a band which is out there for success and being as good as you need to be to have success if you don't have the time to rehearse, if you don't have the time for creativity? That's why I always told the people, look, if, if we wouldn't earn that much money, we couldn't do a 24 hours Halloween job, mm -hmm. which is a dream come true. And we are super happy and grateful about it. But exactly. if you don't have that much success that you can live off your music, nowadays, it's nearly impossible to, to form a band and, and be, go out there and kill when you didn't rehearse for a year or two nearly every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the bitter reality. And how would you ever find four or five people who can do that? That you really have a band who can do that every day rehearsing. Every day. For three or four hours for a year. So that you're really up there when you mm -hmm. go out. You want to kill? Well, then you bloody have to learn how to kill, you know? Exactly. Yep. That's true, that's true. Eh, ¿Qué tanto tiempo pasas en tu estudio? Y entre las cosas que leímos, nos parece que fueron los mismos arquitectos, arquitectos del Obey Road Studios que te hicieron tu estudio personal. ¿Qué tanto tiempo pasas en tu estudio a diario cuando estás en tu casa? So we uh, discovered that you have a badass uh, studio that you own that was built by the same architects that did Abbey Road. How much time do you, um, do you spend in your studio on a weekly basis? Are you in there messing around? How's that going with you? Like, like, that's awesome. Well, first of all, it's a more or less cheap copy of the Abbey Road studio. I don't have all these wood panels and everything. So mine is much more modern, but it's architectural. It's Abbey Road. It sounds like Abbey Road. Um, and it was done by recording architecture guys from Greenwich in, in England. They are not the construct constructors or architects of Abbey Road studio, but they have the plan. Mm -hmm. So you can go there. You uh, can actually buy the plan and build your construct your own studio back home. What I did, I asked them to uh, say hello here three times and, and look after the after different building faces if everything is fine, which they did. So um, yeah, how often am I in the studio? Um, when it's time to write songs, I'm down there nearly every day for three, four hours. Uh, if you ask me if it's my creativity place, no, my creativity is in front of my 
um, cinema beamer. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm always sitting there Netflixing or, or HBOing or whatever. And right. always, always with a guitar, sitting on the couch, watching a movie and, and fiddling and diddling. And as soon as there's something that I like, I stop the movie and what the hell did I just play? And then I, I hit the record button on my MacBook. So that's, that's how I work. When the demos are done, most of the times I, I do the mix down <laughs> in the studio. Um, studio itself is mostly for clients. So right. when Halloween comes again, or when Hammerfall would, or again, or when I have singer songwriters, or my son sometimes have like jazz bands, recording jazz bands down there. So honestly, I only need it when I really need the studio. So everything else is done on that little thing that I'm just talking with you, mm -hmm. <laughs> a MacBook, uh, late, late 2013 still. <laughs> <risa> But I'm happy, it works. I'm, I'm super happy. Eh, hablando del estudio, todos tenemos a alguien que admiramos mucho desde, desde niños, como dijiste tú, y uno de ellos para ti es, bueno, y para mí también, es Rob Harpole. ¿Qué tal fue la experiencia de trabajar con la persona que tú admiras tanto en tu estudio y, y, y tenerlo a la par y poder trabajar, que es la persona que tú admirabas tanto, ¿verdad? Yeah. So one of your uh, your main influences, as, as you mentioned, Rob Halford, um, and Nelson's too. For what what is it, what was it like? How mind blowing of an experience was it to have like one of your idols, your 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 biggest like, oh my god, this guy's amazing in your studio to record? <laughs> like, what was that experience like? Did you stop for a second? It's like, holy fuck! Can you believe this? That's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, honestly, it helped that we knew each other from, from festivals and stuff like that. So um, this is something when you look back, I mean, you, you remember how you were when, when you were uh, putting on the Unleashed in the East from Judas Priest on, still on vinyl. And I was 16 and I was trying, I was trying hard to, to hit these high notes and I never could. And so when I could, and I was like, well, okay, that's how it works. But uh, suddenly you see that guy the godfather of your voice, so to say, <laughs> um, standing in front of you. That, that was the first time it was like, whoa, whoa, unbelievable. Then we get to know each other. And uh, after, after when, when we play together, Rob is always, most of the times Judas Priest is playing after Halloween. And I hope that stays because these are my idols. It was already very strange when uh, last time we played um, Hellfest in France, And another idol of my, mine was playing in front of us, Whitesnake. So this oh, nice. was something, yeah, nice and not nice to the same time because these are my idols. Mm -hmm. And I feel not good when I'm playing after my idols. It doesn't feel right, if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. even though I'm honored, but this is a bitter honor. It's not a sweet honor. So yeah, you know what I, know, what I mean. Nevertheless, when, when Rob... That's very, when, that's humbling of you. No, it's just uh, the way you feel when it's your idol and suddenly it's in front of you. It's not right. I don't know. It's, it feels strange. To the same time you think, wow, we're playing after them. And to the same time you're having that thought, you're feeling guilty. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's a very, very strange thing. So 
But with Rob, it was certainly something like unbelievable. I mean, you have in, inside yourself, you're constantly shaking your head in disbelief and still you talk to that guy. Uh, but Rob is super cool. I mean, he's not that guy. He, he realizes that you're nervous and that you're on, on adrenaline or that you are very <laughs> insecure. And, but he's never, he's really never giving you shit for that or, or behaving differently than or something like that. So he makes you feel secure after a while you're calming down. And then it's most of the times after the concerts, you sit in there for an hour or so, philosophize and, and, and talking about bullshit. And yeah, it's just nice. Qué bueno, qué bueno, qué bueno. Eh, en 1999 lanzaron un álbum de covers, el Metal Jukebox. Eh, hubo un cover de Space Oddity que tuvieron, ¿tuviste alguna, algún feedback de, de David Bowie? So in 99, you guys did a cover record, um, uh, Metal Jukebox, and you have a cover of Space Oddity by David Bowie on there that's, mm -hmm. I, I, that's awesome. We're curious. Did you ever get any feedback from Bowie? Like, hey, I liked it, or hey, that was great, or like, no. just curious. No? no? That's, that's, that's a completely different construction site. So uh, <laughs> we are metalheads, and, and I think inside, metalheads are maybe connected to rockers. So you could get along with people like ACDC or mm -hmm. even Bon Jovi or something like that, because they are still in your ballpark, so to say. Um, but Bowie is, is like that's the Champions League of the Champions League. So uh, I think they are very untouchable, or they used to be. I mean, rest in peace again, and also, and blah, blah, blah. They, they all leave, they all leave, they all check out. I mean, this is scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, David Bowie, unfortunately, no. The only guy I get to know or I got to know from the 70s uh who who is part partly a little idol of my mine is uh um the the singer from from the Zeppelin. Wow. So I got wow. to know him in Hamburg because we were just on on the upstream with Pink Cream and through a common colleague who worked with the press. Uh, there was this meeting and it was just one hour small talk and, uh, and, uh, and, and 10, 10 minutes uh, photo session. And uh, that was nice, that was nice. But that's the only time I touched the Champions League of the Champions League, so to say. <laughs> Bueno, uh, es importante que sepas que you are one of the champions of the champions. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, would, I would rather, Halloween, I would rather see in, in La Liga. La Liga. <laughs> La Liga. <laughs> But Champions League, Champions League for me is like uh, Metallica, ACDC, Iron Maiden, the, the generation before us. Okay. They are like uh, definitely in the Champions League if you compare. We are sometimes invited into the Champions League. <laughs> But worldwide, you could not say that we are like uh, Metallica or Iron Maiden or ACDC. Definitely not. Sometimes we may participate in the, in the Champions League. We play, but we never win. Una pregunta capciosa, por así decirlo. ¿Cuál es tu comida favorita? cuando estás de tour, ¿qué te gusta comer? Que tú dices, ok, eso me gusta comer normalmente siempre en el tour. So, 
just separate personal question on your type, like just uh, off topic. From a food standpoint, we're big yeah. food people. We're huge on food. When yeah. you're on tour, is two parter. What what's your 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 food regimen where you know you have to have this? Like this is what I love to eat when I'm on tour, like for regular and separately when you go on tour. And if you think about it, like oh shit, I'm going on tour. Is there like a place where you're like, oh my god, this is awesome. I hope we play there because I can't wait to go to eat blank at blank in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Well. uh <clears throat> we all or most of most of us um decided to go for sushi mm -hmm. very because, healthy yeah because tour life is sometimes very rapidly very quick so you don't have time to actually look for food or choose something uh look in the city where the best restaurant who is having, having healthy food or whatever to actually keep up your vitamins and shit like that and super important in a tour, on, on, on tour, because otherwise you just end up eating white bread and some whatever lies around. Okay. And because of the way we tour, um, it would be completely stupid uh, to, to, to have your own kitchen with you because it's too, it's too quick. So, um, and the distances are sometimes so long that it's not possible actually to take mm -hmm. a kitchen with you on tour like we did back in the 80s, 90s with Pink Cream, when we toured Europe, we always had our own kitchen with us. So there were three guys, caterers, and they had their own truck. There was everything in it, the kitchen and everything. They were fantastic. I mean, super fantastic. Um, but this is not possible anymore because we most of the times don't travel by bus, but by airplane. Uh, the distances are much longer. So you have to actually take care that you're, that you're having good food um Healthy. after show so to say because most of the times after show you shower and you're off to the airport because we always decide to sleep long on uh on the day of the concert in the city of the concert mm -hmm. so most of the times we leave after concert after a concert to the airport last plane to wherever so a kitchen is not possible um and the sushi is definitely the shit they can't fuck up completely. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you if you go for pizza, you know what I mean. Wow, um, yeah. I mean, there are places they got the most horrible pizza you can imagine. Even though uh, they call it the best pizza in the city, you go like, exactly. can't eat that shit. <laughs> you know, it's like it's well, no, it's not a pizza. It's every Italian would probably drop dead. <laughs> Period. Exactly. Yeah. But sushi, at least from, from the point of vitamins and everything, you cannot completely fuck up. As soon as there's a soy sauce and some wasabi, mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm so happy. just put your fish in and rice and you're, you're, you're good and you're having a decent meal with some vitamins and everything is fine. Otherwise, I mean, I, from back in the days, I remember when there's nothing but junk, you eat junk because you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. So you eat white bread and you put some whatever on it and butter and, and sweets and uh, well, and that's it. we have to take care to actually not completely lose it. So that's why we decided sushi is the best compromise and I'm happy with it. Muy bien, muy bien. Excellent. Yeah. And what was the other question? Uh, ah, yeah, the place. Oh, like, I, I just if there was one place in the world when yeah. you're on tour where you're like, oh, like that one 
food in the world yeah. that's always that you know that you might not be able to get back in you know at home that's what that would be thailand oh yeah thailand thailand because i love thai food and thailand was great always so it's bangkok most of the times but uh, that's that's always very thrilling to be there all crazy but all crazy there <laughs> the food is fantastic so yeah thailand is always uh, the country i would pick what would be your perfect last concert of a tour thailand and after after the concert you don't leave the country you just go to the seaside <laughs> that's really fantastic there aparte de que obviamente todos nos gusta el metal porque somos amantes del metal ¿Cuál ha sido el último disco que has escuchado o la última canción que escuchaste, sea hoy o sea ayer? ¿Cuál grupo has escuchado? O sea, lo último que hayas escuchado, no importa el género, ¿cuál ha sido? Mm -hmm. So what's, what kind of music are you listening to? Doesn't matter what genre, we don't have to stay in the, in the metal realm, but what, like, what did you listen to today, for example, or yesterday? Like, what, what are you listening to, music-wise? Well, today, so far, nothing. Yesterday, I watched... Uh, Life in Cologne, Porcupine, Porcupine Tree, which which I love. This is a super experimental band, art rock or whatever you may call it. So they got heavy shit in there. They got Pink Floyd stuff in there. It's like a super mixture. As a musician, for me, it's like, wow, mm -hmm. listen and learn. So mm -hmm. how you could do it, how, how they did it. And it's very interesting. Um, fanboy like three days ago, four days ago, when it was today, yeah, four days ago, today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. So on Sunday, I listened with my headphone, full blast, the nothing from core. <laughs> nice. And I love nice, it. Nice, nice, nice. I love it. <laughs> I love it. En, en nuestro programa, que es La Dosis, siempre estamos buscando grupos nuevos. ¿Algún grupo que nos pueda recomendar escuchar? The metal, obviamente. So we're always trying to find uh, new music, new metal bands from all over the world to say, hey, you guys got to check this out on the show. What uh, any bands that you would say, oh, my God, if you haven't heard these guys yet, you have to. Currently. Well, nothing, nothing new, actually. The, the last the last band that I thought is, is pretty cool in the power rock uh, is, is um, Beast in Black. Which one? Beast in Black. Beast in Black. Beast in Black. Mm -hmm. We're going to find it. They, they are not so new, but at least didn't arrive in South America yet. If I interpret the signs right, then you have never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's, that's, that's a cool power metal band. Okay, okay. Pero ya casi terminamos la entrevista, lastimosamente, pero una pregunta. ¿Has venido a Costa Rica de vacaciones, no de trabajo, solo de vacaciones alguna vez? So we're uh, wrap up the interview. Before we close, we want to ask if you've been to Costa Rica before, not just for a show. And what was uh, uh, like the last time that you were in Costa Rica? Unfortunately, always only in San Jose. But I can say I've seen the Pacific side from from Costa Rica and I've seen the Atlantic side because when you come by plane, you do a big turn. <laughs> this is this would be something that, that you, I definitely, it's on my plan. Um, 
but I would not like to visit cities in Costa Rica. I would like to visit the jungle. So a good friend of it's mine. Amazing. And the volcanoes. It, it, I've seen so many photos and movies he did. Peter, a friend of mine, he's constantly in Costa Rica in the jungle. But he's, he's, he's one of those maniacs. He starts to walk. And uh, he, he walked from Costa Rica to Colombia. And then he, he walked walking through the jungle. Walking. Yeah, walking. Two and a half months. Imagine, two and a half months from Costa Rica to Colombia. Wow. And then he made a brief stop in Medellin in, in Colombia for, I think, well, get in shape again for, I think, only 10 days. And then he went from Colombia to Peru through the jungle. Wow, 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 wow. He has videos and photos, so many tribes he, he met in the jungle. They barely see a white, white bloke than us. Like, you know, they, they know we exist, but they nearly have no contact at all. And Peter just walks through. It's like, he was there for months. I mean, this crazy man, crazy man. So I'm, I don't see myself in his shoes, <laughs> never would. But- uh, What are you gonna say? When you're down here, we'll take you out for sushi. We're not gonna walk through the jungle. <laughs> no, this is something I would like to do, but only for a few days. Yeah, yeah, just to works. get that vibe and exactly. uh, I mean I'm not uh, from heart everybody's an adventurer I think but uh, only a few really do it you know mm -hmm. but at least I want <laughs> the smell of adventure for three or four mm -hmm. days just, just to imagine what he went through for months you know so unbelievable that guy okay yeah but that's why that's why I probably end up in Costa Rica in in five or six years i would say okay. when when we, when we make a, a longer break until the final whatever <laughs> say goodbye to or whatever like the okay. scorpions did we do mm -hmm. a farewell tour for 15 years then <laughs> <laughs> okay eh, voy a hacer este mensaje para toda la gente pero lo voy a hacer en, en inglés porque necesito que andy entienda lo que quiero decir ahorita andy i am very honored I am very, very happy in this hour to talk to someone as huge as you and, and an amazing human being. Thank you, thank you for showing us that there's a very, very talented man inside you and a very human being that loves the passion of Halloween and treat everybody as well as you treat us today, seriously. I'm close to tears thank now. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very, very much. It's very an honor for me. Okay. My pleasure. Most sincere. Thank you. Thank Adi, you. you are an amazing man. Thank you very much. I am very thank honored. You, you, should, you should tell that to my wife. I will. Y bueno, eso ha sido la entrevista hoy aquí por Planet 107.5 con el monstruoso, grandioso Andy de Halloween que ahora nada más le vamos a pedir unas pequeñas oraciones para que nos acompañen siempre en el show y muchas gracias. Así es que Lu, dile lo que tiene que decir, a ver si nos ayuda con eso y listo. Eso, eso lo vamos a hacer después, pero por ahora, eh, muchísimas gracias, Andy. Andy, thank you so much. Before we go, um, can you say, uh, so you're going to be coming down to San Jose on the 22nd of September, right? Yes, sir. Para invitar a la gente. So first of all, just... let, 
Yeah. yeah. This mean, is for you to talk to the talk to the, our, our Costa Rican constituency here. First of all, thank you very much for the last time, because I remember it was one of the greatest parties we had. Um, second of all, now the most important, thanks for waiting. Thanks for the patience. And it were all like two hard years for everybody on this fucking planet. But I hope to be back in, in San Jose again and see you all in good health and with the same vibe than last time, then you make my dream come true. Thank you very much. Muchísimas gracias. yeah. Amazing, amazing. Es que ustedes vieron la calidad de entrevista, la calidad de ser humano, la maravilla persona que es Andy. Cuando uno le dicen que vas a entrevistar a, a una persona que uno admira tanto, eh, un cantante a nivel mundial, como lo es Andy de Halloween, uno no espera tanta persona amable adentro por ciertas cosas que a veces suceden alrededor, pero Andy le demuestra a todo el mundo que usted no importa lo que consiga, no importa que usted llene estadios todos los días, usted tiene los pies sobre la tierra. ¿Sabe que Andy? Usted se ganó no solamente, yo ya era fan, pero ahora se ganó no solo un fan, un verdadero amigo. ¿Qué ser humano más maravilloso? ¿Sí o no, Lu? Voy a decirlo en inglés y en español para que Andy lo escuche también cuando ve el podcast. Um, yeah, primero que todo, eh, hay una, una frase en, en inglés que se dice down to earth. Ya, yeah? como es ya una persona real, tierra? real, humilde en la tierra. Ma, es que jamás, primo, me hubiera imaginado que pasaríamos más de una hora con Andy Darius. Y eso que, que we both felt like, oh, no, we're, we're ya, here for ya, more no, than no, no, an hour. No, no, Tratando preguntas a la final. Demasiado ser humano. Sí, eso fue una bendición. Andy Darius is amazing. Absolutely amazing human being. Unbelievable. Muchísimas gracias, Andy, por este tiempo. We cannot wait to see the show. Oh, my God, to meet you in person and to hang out. Eh, wow. Wow. Va a ser increíble, wow. va, va a ser increíble poder ver el show, poder transmitir a las personas lo que vivimos en el show desde el punto de vista como, como fans y también obviamente como, como amigos, ¿verdad? Amigos. Poder, yeah. poder decirle todo como es eh, de, detrás de cámara, lo que sucede backstage y un montón de cosas que Andy tan amablemente nos ha invitado. It was amazing. Yo uso esa palabra de veces un poquito, pero this was like, wow, next level. Unbelievable, amazing. amazing. My primo, y, y ahora, ¿qué hacemos para el segundo, right? El segundo podcast, empezando con eso. Bueno. Superar este primero va a ser muy difícil, pero usted siempre me sorprende, mae. Así es que, si ya saben los grupos que vienen a Costa Rica, sin mencionar ningún nombre, imagínense quién puede ser el segundo invitado para oh. la Dosis Podcast. We'll see, we shall see, pero así vamos yo no adelante. Puedo, yo no lo puedo creer, ese segundo invitado, <laughs> pero you make the things happen, so que somos, la verdad. Ahí vamos, ahí vamos. Espero que hayan disfrutado montones este podcast. Por favor, lo que yo siempre he dicho, nada puede suceder solos. Necesitamos de su apoyo, necesitamos que lo compartan, necesito que le pases el link a todo el mundo para que no solamente vean la maravillosa persona que es Andy, sino que también se suscriban a nuestro canal y estén pendientes de todas las entrevistas chivísimas que vamos a traer el Primo Lu, yo y todo el team de La Dosis. Awesome, guys. Y no se olviden también, el 22 de septiembre, 
Hammerfall, Ginger y Halloween para ver a ese Mai realmente one of the most amazing people que yo ha conocido Mai, para verlo así en el stage. Así es. Pura vida, gente. Nos vemos en el segundo podcast. Yo soy Nelson Aggressor, el primo Lu. Stay, Stay metal.